Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. You didn't know? James Brown felt good, and we feel great to have reached episode 8 of Oh You Didn't Know. Two weeks ago, we talked about when the roadie was created, but today we talk about when that initial run was terminated. Because the roadie walked out of WWF, and believe me, the world has questions. Dog, what's up? How you doing? We're in the doghouse. I feel good. Like I knew that I would. Now, no, 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 no. Oh, so good. So nice. Cause I got a you. Okay, I am feeling good. I I love James Brown. I love you, Ryan Katz, and the hey, fact right that you brought up you. James Brown. Spreading the love. Yes. Hey, so I do want to say something. About a week or two ago, I was on uh, Busted Open Radio. And I said something about uh, phony baloney wrestling. Now, look, if you've heard the last eight episodes, you might have heard that before uh, come out of my mouth. I, I don't mean that. I want to. I want to clear some things up because some people reached out to me. Um, I always preface it or follow it up with, "Hey, I love this industry with all my heart and all my. You know, I've sacrificed so much for it, and so has my family and my father before me. And I, you know, so so yes, I love it. I have said though, phony baloney wrestling because it's. You know, comparable to my grandchildren, to my children, to my wife, to my, you know what I mean? My, my family members, like comparable to that, it is just, just wrestling. And so that's, that's what I mean when I say that. I don't mean to disparage the industry that's put food on my table literally until the moment we're speaking right now, you know? Um, so I just wanted to kind of bring that up. Like, I love the industry w- with all my heart and, and I'll live and die pro wrestling, but compared to, uh, things in real life it's just not that important so i kind of wanted to cover that real quick ryan and i'm sorry i took us down a, a weird path there it's still um, real to me dog <laughs> well and it look it's it's real to me too but that's one of the things that i had to tell myself uh especially when i was writing the show was it's not if if, if somebody above me the studio will call them if the studio changes the script it's not the end of the world because at some times I thought it was, uh, and it only stressed me out, and, and it really didn't matter in the big picture of things. Yes, a couple of people may have tweeted, bad, your creative sucks, or whatever, but but in the big scope, it didn't mean much. And so I would tell myself that to keep my feet on the ground, but also uh, to not over uh, commit, not get married to my creative, I guess, and not let it hinder my day one way or the other. So anyway, again, I'm sorry. Um, no, but don't if be you, sorry. But yeah, we, you, we'll probably actually end up getting into some details of some of these creative differences. But let's also remember that it's easy to look back in hindsight and with maturity and growth and go, oh, maybe I should have been a different way or looked at it a different way. But when you are caught in the, uh, in the situation, it is real to you. It is your yeah. life, your career. There is something that gives you that little extra push that that makes you maybe uh, push some buttons and, and, and try to cross the boundaries of things you maybe shouldn't do, but in your mind think that you could. Yeah. Yeah. And look, it's, uh, I just, you know, it's a, it's a really good living and it doesn't last forever. And so 
don't mess it up over creative decisions. You know what I mean? It's not that big of a deal. That's my whole point is it's, excuse me, you can have a really good life and a really good career, but if you get caught up in it, it's not fun in your own head. And I feel like that's what, anyway, I don't want to harp on it. Let's get rolling, man. I just wanted to say that to kind of. It's like a very dramatic episode of, oh, you didn't know. We're getting serious. Because someone the... may have problems ah. with creative. All right, this episode Whoa, of Oh, You was, Didn't Know. That was going to go really cool. Like I was, <laughs> We're going to come back to that. Go ahead, Ryan. We're coming back to that. We're coming back. This episode of Oh, You Didn't Know is brought to you by some great sponsors you'll hear from later. But let us remind you now that you can always save with Conrad, get Goliath coverage on your life insurance, and in the world of pro wrestling, a beer and aspirin can increase blood flow. But here on Oh, You Didn't Know, we remind you that increased blood flow comes from going to BlueChew.com. With that said, let's get down to the business, if you will. SWC, we're saving with Conrad as we speak. Here we go. <laughs> Let's talk about you leaving World Wrestling Federation in 1995 and everything you were doing after the Rumble. So first, let me let me set this up a little bit by saying, wait, you mean seven months, eight months after I was getting, while I was getting the biggest break in my career ever, uh, and I just walked away from it all? Is that the period of time you're talking about that's the time we're talking about and everyone goes how can you give it up <laughs> well i didn't have it long enough to know what i was giving up to be quite honest with you but but look it's it was a crazy time and we'll get into the uh the uh Specifics. we'll get granular i'll use a jeff jarrett word since we're going to speak about jeff jarrett a lot uh, we'll get granular in the all the decision makings and all and all of that uh and and the ex- action and all that but you know, it was, I didn't know what I was doing. And I knew me and Jeff had a great thing going and Jeff wasn't happy. And so I said, well, I'm with you, man. And he said, you don't have to be, bro. You can stay right here and keep doing your thing. He was very honest with me. And this was all going down in the middle of the ring in 95 in Nashville in your house. He's literally, I'm leaning over him and he's going, you don't have to, you don't have to do this with me. And uh, I had no idea what I was doing. So I said, yes, yes I do. Um, and here we went. A man of honor and loyalty to what he was <laughs> to, a part of. Yeah, to, to, to a fault. All right, we left a couple of weeks back when we discussed your debut, talking about Jeff winning the Intercontinental title from Razor, and then you now appearing on the road with Jeff at the house, show, uh, at the house shows. Uh, talking about taking your time and enjoying the ride and going the flow is what we were talking about on that episode. But were you really getting eager to get into the ring and start wrestling? So... Look, I thought about this a lot today. I, I, I no, I wasn't. I wasn't eager to get in there and wrestle. Look, did I did I think I could hold my own? Uh, I wasn't good. I didn't. I know I wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. Good, maybe I teetered on good, uh, but but mediocre at best. So I was fine with the role I was playing. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot of responsibility, but the responsibilities I did have were crucial, and the timing was important. So it was really fun. For me and we're going to talk about that tag that great tag match we had we've talked about it on that on the podcast before um but just i was having so much fun like i didn't want to wrestle full time i didn't want to start doing that because then i start knew i'd be doing that you know what i mean um so no i was having a really good time and i didn't want to i didn't want to step in the ring anytime soon but you know fate had other plans 
between the Rumble and WrestleMania, Jeff is sometimes defending the IC title against Razor, and you always jump in to cost Razor winning the title back, and then he leaves you laying with the Razor's Edge <laughs> afterwards. There's matches in Hershey, Montreal, Indianapolis, Chicago. Does repeating the finish help with fine-tuning the refinement of reactions, or does it become monotonous when you got to get hoisted up in that Razor's Edge? <laughs> well, for, for me, it was... Look, it was also a really good time um well it was prior to a really good time uh but it was it was for me man i was just happy to be in there but it did hurt like that razor's edge hurt like the jet diesel's jackknife like it's a power bomb yeah and everybody can take one but man it's from seven feet in the air so it was it was but that was the deal right jeff the, the heel was the champ the heel couldn't beat the baby face in the live event or, or the uh, even on the tv show so you got to do something and me you know, him being about to beat Jeff and me pulling. I think what it was was he would get Jeff up for the razor's edge. I would slide in and pull Jeff down, attack him. Jeff would roll out. I'd go to shoot him. He'd reverse it, kick me in the gut, jack me up, put me down. You know, you got to give him something. And if, you, if it's a non-finish, you give, send him home happy. Mm -hmm. And it just so happened I was the guy that was going to take those bumps to send him home happy. I had cheated throughout the match. I had built up that heat. You know what I mean? Then when I caused the, the DQ, there was some more heat. They wanted him to see me drop me on my head, and so he obliged. <laughs> so in, in my career, I've taken some big bumps. I've been tossed off a 30-foot tower. I, I have taken power Did you bombs. say you've been tossed off? <laughs> I'm sorry. Dog, I, I thought dog, this was a Bluetooth promotion. <laughs> I didn't know what we were doing. I, I, I've, I've, I've had a lot of big, crazy bumps, and the razor's edge just always scared me, man. Yeah. Choke slams, power bombs, I'd, I'd take them all day, every day. You know what? There's a, there's a thing with a choke slam with a power bomb. It's up and it's down. And with razor's edge, it was that way. It was a 45-degree angle towards the mat instead of, 90 degrees straight down where you can take a flat back bump with this one you ended up landing on your coccyx and so so far we've said coccyx and tossed off and blue chewed the promo code is d-o-double-g by the way um but so, <laughs> no no make them wait for it make them wait for it baby um but yeah so so it's it's different it's a different kind of bump and sometimes you would rat -tat, you know rat -tat, tat tat till your head hits the mother grab and flow yeah. you know what is you messing with the brother foe um we, we but yeah so it was just a different bump you know what i mean a different style bump is being on the road with the wwf a whole different world than when you were doing shows with uswa and smoky mountain tours yes um but the difference is on this one in the wwf we could eat food <laughs> the other one you could you could you could and that's because you're you're, you're Look, you just had enough money, money you just yeah. had enough money for drugs ryan <laughs> you don't have all this extra for food and stuff <laughs> all right i'm gonna push right past that one <laughs> jeff is also going up against diesel and you're talking about that so so now we're talking all these you, you kind of just got through all those big bumps Reputation in WWF that there's very hard rings. And then oh. in my time, when I got there, realizing not just the frames being harder and meant for bigger dudes, like having the multiple canvases on that ring makes them tough to oh, yeah. take some bumps in. And so, so if you've, look, if you were there in 95 or prior, it probably happened in about 96, I'm thinking that all the rings and the construction of said rings switched over. And I don't, excuse me, I don't know if it was Cornette or somebody gave them the structure and the idea to build a ring that bumped better. 
But man, when I'm taking all these bumps that we're talking about, the uh, the Razor's, Razor's Edge and the and the and the, and the power bomb from Kevin Nash, those rings were set up for Yokozuna to take a bump in. You know what I mean? They were hard as the floor, and so it would man, it was uh, <laughs> it was it was rough on me for a while there. But but look, I was in main events, I was in semi main events, I was involved in the match, I was. I was living my best life, man. And and truth be told, we weren't making a ton of money, but it was to me because I came from the Marine Corps, then from doing jobs at WCW. Now I'm making a little money. Um and man, it was just it was now I'm having now I'm having fun in the business that I was born to do or I wanted to do, you know, since, since I was born. So you're taking those jackknives and razor's edges. Are there any moves that you're generally just like, heck no, I'm not I don't want any part of it. So, yeah, there's actually a lot of them, and some of them don't feel bad at all. Like, one of them's a backdrop. Like, I took, like, two backdrops in my career, and one of them was from the Rock and Roll Express, and my feet hit the top rope on the other side of the ring, and I landed on the back of my head, and I thought, yeah, I won't do that again. Um, and so, so, but look, there's a lot of things, like, I don't want to, I didn't, I didn't want to take. Uh, but some of those, some of the, look, I'll never forget in the dumpster match, uh, I was supposed to be up there with, with uh, I think it was Mick, when we got pushed over and went down into the dumpster. I climbed up there during the rehearsal, and I said, yeah, I'm not doing that. <laughs> it looked really high. And I thought, I'm going to go over the top rope, and I'm going to hit that metal part over there, and I'm going to kill myself. Like, I didn't want to do it. And Billy was like, blah, blah, blah. He called me all kind of words, and I, you know, I deserved them, I guess. Uh, but then he was on all the highlight reels, and, and I was like, oh, I should have done that one. But yeah, so look, it's not regret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re, re, regret. Regret of not killing yourself, even though yeah, you're still attempting to do so. Yeah. Um, but you know, yeah. So there was a lot of stuff I was afraid to do, and I'm not. I'm not afraid to say that either. By the way. All right. I know I'm taking us off track, but what's your favorite finisher ever to watch? Not to to watch. Mm. To, just as a fan. Man, there's so many good ones. There's so many good ones, and you know what I don't. So I'll, I'll, I, this is a difficult question, really, because I know I'm going to say something, and then that, <laughs> I'm going to think like, "Oh, that other one was better." But um, do you remember Stan Stasiak uh, and the Heart Punch? <laughs> yeah, I mean, when it was banned in certain states. Yeah, yeah. like I, I always thought, like, did he just almost kill the guy? You know, he punched him in the heart, and did, did it, it make his heart stop or something? Yeah, <laughs> like that was always the coolest thing to me. And, but I, look, I'll also never forget, so, so let me backtrack a little bit. I don't like submissions in, in a match. Look, I say I don't like submissions. That's a, that's a blanket statement. I've you, seen you know sub- how to utilize yes, them for Yes, I've seen purposes. submissions in the match where I thought that was awesome. So I, so I don't want to say I don't like submissions. But I like, for me, I like, boom, a big impact finish. Look, I love all the spears. Rhino, Edge, Roman, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's got a pretty good spear. Uh, Charlotte's got a good spear. Um, so, so I think there's a bunch of finishes out there that are cool, but I always like the ones that were weird. And, and I want to say this. Whatever you do to beat people with, if you beat people on TV with that, that's your finish. You know what I mean? And it doesn't have to be – I remember Lord Tenzai when he first showed up, Matt Bloom, he was going to use the Asiatic Spike – uh, for the finish. And Hunter came to me and said, Hey man, you think that'll work as a finish? I said, if he beats people on TV with it, it will. I mean, because that's the truth. You'll go like, I don't know. You know, you've seen Bray Wyatt do similar stuff and, and you, and you believe it. So if, 
if you beat people and see people see you get you know beating people with this move that's your finish and they don't kick out of it for a while you know what i mean you say like stupid finish you know unusual or stupid finishes in that sense too my favorite and it was a submission but Doink stump puller because you can walk up to your friend and put and get over their head and grab their leg and they're oh and they just start screaming. Uh, yeah. You're like, yeah, it's fake, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that is a good one. Look, there's a ton of good uh what Hell's Gate or whatever that Taker used. Yep. Um I thought there were some good submissions that what I love about it, if you have a submission finish, you can utilize that that in your match and work to it, work from it, you know what I mean? And and all that stuff. So that's really cool. I, I like I said, I don't it was a blanket statement, I don't like submissions. I just like for my finish to be a big impactful move. One, two, three, ding ding ding, music play. You know what I mean? Um that's I just that's just <laughs> That's just my my thoughts. I took us off on a tangent, so I'll bring the trajectory back on course. What's it like rubbing elbows with the significant players, guys like Diesel and Bret Hart, Razor, and even Vince McMahon at this point of your career? Yeah. Well, you know, the truth of it was, and again, this is, you know, I, I got in the business because of my family. I got no qualms in saying that. Kevin Nash was my Brad's friend. So Kevin Nash was my friend. I'd already met Hunter in WCW. Now he's up there, so we're friends. You know, X-Pac I had, I had met now here for the first time. Actually, we're going to talk about that in a little while. But like Scott Hall knew Brad really well and my brother Steve really well from Japan. So all these guys were kind of my friends. And so it wasn't like I was rubbing elbows with superstars. It was like I was playing wrestler with my friends. And Anybody who's ever done any backyard stuff knows that's the best thing ever. You know what I mean? Yep. We just didn't do it on a trampoline in my in old man Kelsey's backyard. We did it at the uh, Hartford Civic Center. You know what I mean? In front of 15,000 plus. So, so, but we, you know, it wasn't rubbing elbows in my mind at the time. Uh, in retrospect, sure, I was rubbing elbows with some of the biggest stars in the company at the time um, and getting to learn from them at the same time. So, yeah, very beneficial for me. Um, and I had a blast. All right, you're ringside for a bunch of Jarrett and Shawn Michaels versus Diesel and Razor matches in the lead-up to WrestleMania, including in Toronto, Madison Square Garden, Boston, and San Antonio. Do you have any stories or memories that you can recall either of being on the road with those guys or when at ringside during those matches? Yeah, yeah, a little bit of both. Look, that's the match. If I'm talking about the most fun and creative I've ever had, you know, felt or had in a wrestling match. Those matches were some of them. Uh, maybe the maybe the the one. You know what I mean? Because not only where I get to play and play and wrestle with my, you know wrestler with my friends, but we're doing it on a grand stage and we're doing it to pop each other and to have a good time. And so look at that match was awesome. So we all said, hey, we should do this around the loop. And then they put it on around the loop. Um, but so one time when we were first putting it together, and look, we we perfected it over a period of time too we had done it so many times it was like hey that didn't work this works let's try this tomorrow night whatever so at one point the heels jeff and sean go out of the ring uh on one side of the ring uh the baby faces are in the ring uh facing down at them on the floor well i my job was to pop up and get the baby faces attention when they start to come to me, I drop down off the apron, the heels slide in, bing, bang, boom, Bob's your uncle. So uh, I go, hey, I'll just pop up on the apron there and I'll get y'all's attention. And they were like, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, don't worry about it. I'll get your attention. And at this time, I'm having fun, right? So I thought, 
Like I'm going to do so I'm going to do whatever I want to do over there on the on the apron to get their attention. So I don't know if you've ever seen uh, Three Amigos where they they climb up on the, up on the fence and then the last one is still down there and they're going look up here, look up here. <laughs> Finally, he goes, hey, look up here. So when I popped up on the apron, I did like the mow and curly shuffle, like kicking my foot backwards and, and screaming, look up here, look up here, look up here. So it was literally called the look up here spot. Uh, the look up here. We, we, I like it. Yeah, it was the look up here spot. And and I every night they would turn around and they would just shoot pop. And then they would start walking at me and inside the heels, bang double shoot reverse here they go again you know what i mean it was just a really fun match and really fun guys to Have be doing fun it with, with your friends yes at- amen amen was there any spe- uh, anything specific you remember picking up and learning from them that you were able to then take a uh, take through your career whether that be advice technique and anything of the sort yeah 100% and look i'm sure i can't sit here and name them all but lessons from Shawn Michaels and Scott Hall and and Jeff Jarrett for that matter because they'd all had uh and and excuse me uh Kevin they'd all had experience that I didn't have and so just listening to them every night but but I think the main thing was probably an un uh an unwritten or unspoken rule is just be where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there and if you're not uh they're going to get in your butt. You know what I mean? Like it was because they were, look, that's why they were who they were. They were perfectionists. And we want to get this as close to perfect as we can. And then we want to take it around the loop and it'll be easy peasy, lemon squeezy. We'll know what to do and when when to do it. So yeah, we had a great time forming that match. Like I said, it evolved and boy, by the end of it, it was smooth sailing and good pops and good places. Amazing. As an outsider, the build, hype, and spectacle that is WrestleMania is what it's all about. It's huge. Goliath, just like the coverage you can get from Goliath Life Insurance. And speaking of Goliath, let's take a minute to listen from them, to hear some words from them, and then we'll come back and talk about your feelings about the build-up to your first WrestleMania. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Who's going to take care of your family if something happens to you? What would they do without your income? If you don't have a plan, you need to go to GoliathLife.com. Get a quick quote for more than 20 carriers. You don't even have to leave the house. If you need a medical exam, they'll send somebody to your house or office. You're in total control. You pick the rates, you pick the payments, you pick the terms. You're in total control, but it gives you and your family peace of mind. What if something happens to your income? Hurry to GoliathLife.com. Okay, we're back, and the Mania match is set to have you in the corner of Jeff Jarrett for his intercontinental title defense against Razor Ramon, who will have one, two, three kids, Sean Waltman, in his corner. What is it like for you being a part of your first build to WrestleMania? Well, so look, I, if I tell you anything other than I, don't, I didn't have a clue the gravity of the situation, I was having a great time. Me and Kid had known each other now for like six months, and we had really 
become good friends. So this was me and him going to be out there. Uh, at the end of this Mania match, he hit Jeff with a spin kick that busted Jeff's nose all over his face. And uh, and Jeff was bleeding, and we went out of there selling. And it, it was great, man. That was, a, that was a great time because, look, Jeff and Razor had a great match too. And with me and Kid on the outside to – to just chime in when we needed to, and then at the finish, of course, um, just made it all that much better. But, like, look, we did this match everywhere and a million times, and so we knew what to do and when to do it, and it was, man, it was it was a night off. As a part of the buildup for WrestleMania 11, you had a lot of NFL players involved with Lawrence Taylor taking part of the event in the main event against Bam Bam Bigelow. Do you have any favorite stories during this time of interacting either with LT or any of the other NFL players? Yeah, LT was the only one that I ever actually interacted with. They did the other... Oh, son of a beast thing. Sorry about that. <laughs> and, and the microphone goes yes, down. Yes, <laughs> down goes microphone. Uh-oh, and now one of these things is blinking red. Never mind. Uh, yeah, that's not good. It's ticking. It's making a ticking noise. <laughs> is this supposed to? No. Um, yet Lawrence Taylor was the only one I ever met with. The other guys kind of did some stuff off by themselves. But but uh, he was intense, man. And he he was, uh, But he was a great guy, and he was willing to do all of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I was probably on about the same amount of cocaine as he was. I'm just not sure. If we weighed it, if it would, you know, how that would come oh, out. Oh, amazing. <laughs> You're also used in a warm-up role at this point in time for some of the uh, long raw tapings. What do you remember of doing this and whose idea was this? So, look, I think it was, we were kind of a hot item. So we would do the, uh, me and Jeff or me versus somebody. But, you know, it was it was easy to send Jeff out there with me and have a dark match or have a opening match to or Coliseum home video, which we used to do back then. So look, it was also an opportunity to get me in the ring and working a little bit, uh, which I didn't want to do, but I knew they were going to do it. So I thought maybe I should try to be good at this. Um, so yeah, it was just an opportunity. I don't think it was anybody's big creative idea. It was just like, let's get the kids some reps and, and see what we got in him too, you know? Through those reps, do you think that interaction with the crowd allows you to build that rapport connection and build for better reactions when you are then in the TV situation? A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, look, you you try your stuff out, and you go, okay, this is going to work. The wiggle, wiggle, knee, they pop for that a little bit. Whatever. You know, you're going to figure it out when you're out there. But, yeah, if you're not in front of a live crowd, then you have no idea how to wrestle for a live crowd. You know what I mean? And, so, and look, sometimes today – we have wrestlers that go out there and wrestle like a TV match at a live event crowd or something, you know, really fast and not not taking the people's reactions into consideration. And that's the whole idea, man. If not, if you're not doing it for them, I, if you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for the wrong person. I can tell you that much. Dog, now there was a situation where for a year they were doing it for someone hitting audio buttons of crowd reactions and doing some good mixing jobs yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, they were. <laughs> they were doing it. The studio was on, on fire. I actually remember when that happened. One idea in my mind was I feel like they should have gotten a hot DJ to actually do the audio mix of shows. Yeah, well, you know what? The, the guy kind of is like that. He's sitting back there, and he, um, he he's really uh, 
talented individual too because he's working on and he knows what's going to get a pop and what's not and so he's working you know the difference from the first months of of covid and hearing the canned reactions to what you would hear let's be honest still now now, sometimes is incredible how good they got in their craft and getting that audio mixed to sound authentic Well, well look that's what and you know hate me again but that's what wwe does they do whatever the best is that's what they do and they're gonna keep doing it until they are the best at it and then then they're gonna be the measuring stick and i, and I feel like they are still and I, look i know aew's got a good program and they're and they got a great talent and and good storytelling and all the, and i'm and i enjoy their television show but i feel like wwe's the measuring stick and if you feel differently than I, I you know we just disagree i guess no agreed and especially when you're talking about the production aspects of what go behind the show and the machine and how they make it run so seamlessly or at least seem to be so seamlessly let me let me just give you know we talk about them trying to be the best i'll, I'll tell you hey, wwe hey, hey, has a program to look at a non-wrestling program is competition eurovision the once a year eurovision song contest Oh, Uh, really? It runs on Peacock right now. ran a couple weeks ago. The production on this concert is amazing. And and, and there's a lot of prep work involved, but the way they shoot it, you never see a crew member or a cameraman. They go in tight. They take drone shots, high jib shots. You never see a cameraman. Everything is, it's incredible. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful television. And look, that's what I was going to, I was going to come back and say too. Look, if you think, the WWE is too polished and too perfect. I see that. That's a, there's a valid argument, but I think AEW could be more polished. Um, and yeah, if we l- could little, meet in the middle things, somewhere, you little know, yeah. things that WWE did that AEW doesn't, and it's not picking out a product. It's given it's given little tips to hopefully make it better. Yeah. When, when when wrestler A comes in and drops their gear on the entranceway, by the time wrestler B comes into the ring, that gear should be pulled away by yeah, someone off it's, camera. It's just little television stuff, and maybe that's. Maybe that does. God Almighty, I'm beating the crap out of this microphone. We're, we're having an intense moment. <laughs> yeah, today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat it. I think um, it looks like a chocolate ice cream. It doesn't look like that at all. Um, chair shot and bong resin. You want it right there? <laughs> and, and again, that was just tremendous. for everybody, this is from past bong resin, chair shots and bong resin. That's why I'm. I'm not smart like you fellers. Now, now it's just, uh, yeah, no, well, I won't even go into water paper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get back to the business. Your role with Jeff is what's known in the industry as a heater. For those that don't know, can you explain what that means and what the purpose of that role is? Yeah. So, so look, I. And again, this is all uh, subjective wrestling and, and terminology and all that is. It's it's evolved during the time. So so I would consider a heater as being diesel when he was with Shawn Michaels. I've considered myself more of a valet slash manager slash whatever. Like a heater to me seems like Raquel Gonzalez behind Dakota Kai. Seems like Kevin Nash. Like that's a heater. But you know what they also say? A lot of guys today go, I'll get some heat on you, then you get some heat on me, and I'm thinking, 
Well, no, only the heel gets heat on the baby face. The baby face shines up front. Like there's so there's different terminology that people use that's I'm a old school stickler for some of the terminology. I don't think I was a heater. I think I was a like I said, a second, a valet, a a manager. Um but definitely a guy on the outside that could take some bumps. Because, look, that's what I used to love that, especially writing the show, not so much having the matches myself, but writing the show. I would always love to have, oh, man, we could have their partners out there on ringside because then you can get involved and it helps with doing finishes. and You know what I mean? Like I always love to have somebody extra out there uh, that you can do something to when the time is right, and that's what I was. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say his bumper more so than his heater. <laughs> his no heater. heat. Just cool, like the chocolate ice cream he talked about. Oh, Look I'm... at that. It's like magical how that just showed up right there. <laughs> I don't even... Wait, what is that? Joe Bell oh. Castro gave this to me when he left WWE. <laughs> I, and I think one of, the, one of the wrestlers gave this to him as a gift. And, yeah, and that's I got lovely. Some, I got some ice cream. Well, that's like... <laughs> What's it taste like? Don't taste it. Don't taste it. All right. Um, where were we? Where were we at? We're de- right. We're at ringside for a Razor Ramon versus Henry Godwin match for a Raw taping, and you're supposed to interfere. But it's been reported in the stories of history that the referee messed up the count and it had to be redone. When things like that happen, what's it like at ringside and then backstage after the match? Well, so look, it's it's nerve wracking when something doesn't go as planned out there, and I'll tell you why. People's bodies are on the line. There's two big men, maybe four big men, uh, could be six or ten, tell you the truth, but big men running at each other, and and now they're lost mentally and don't know how to get back to where they needed to be to begin with. And so so um, it, it gets a little chaotic out there. But if somebody can can be the general and kind of stop everybody down and go, okay, do this and do that, and that's, that's what happened there. Scott got us, but yeah, we had to do the thing over again, but – Accidents happen, and the referees in there, just like the talent is, talent screws up all the time. Referees seldom do, but when they do, we get back on track. Excuse me. If they send you back, if you go all the way back and they send you back out there, that's embarrassing as far as the talent goes, but you didn't get it right. You got to get out there and we're going to do it again until you get it right, and then we'll show that one on television, you know? Now, in terms of your own career and then having the experience to have seen other people's career, do you feel that having those uh cluster f moments and things go wrong moments actually help the performer become a better wrestler to overcome in the future by learning from it a hundred percent and listen if you get if you get some of these guys today off track a little bit you may as well just hit the hit the ring you know what i mean (laughs) hit the ring with with a chair because they they just they just freeze and they don't know what to do and so if yes a hundred percent it makes you a better performer Things happen in almost every match that you either stumble into something good or you fumble into something not so good or you botch something, which is a made-up silly word, too, but we use it. Uh, you you bot, botched it, you know what I mean? Um, things happen in almost every match. It's how you, how you can control not what happens, but what you do in response. Does that make sense? It's not what happens with a mistake that's made. It's how you react to it and, and or respond to it. Hopefully you can respond to it and not react to it. But that's what a lot of guys do. I'll never forget, I was working in Germany with a guy named August Smeasel. And he was the uh, uh, 
kung fu champion of Germany, mind you. And he was a bodybuilder, and he was an Austrian strongman, and he was like a huge mountain of an Austrian man. We'd messed up a spot in our match, and he just grabbed me and started judo throwing me all over the ring, all because... He didn't. He messed up, and he's so big and strong that I couldn't stop him from doing it. So we just now I just I'm getting thrown around like a rag doll, and then I ended up running around the ring away from him to get away from him. Um, but but that he messed up and he didn't know what else to do. And I've been there too. Mess up and you go, oh God, what do I do now? Oh, I'll just hit the other guy really hard. Yeah, that helps. That, that helps everything. Get we we're right back on track now. Uh, but interesting story about August Measle. You should look him up. We will do a little research, go to the YouTube, go to the wiki, do your homework, come back to us next week Play with, with your some Googler. questions. In the go-home for Mania, you, Jeff, and Bob Backlund are doing a three-on-one uh, against Razor. Can you tell us any good Bob Backlund stories? <laughs> Every Bob Backlund story is a good one. Look, look, Bob was a great guy. Like I, Bob was in a generation before me, but here I was with him and he was just as kind and polite to me as he was to everybody. And he always has been. So I don't, you know, he, he's an eccentric guy, but eccentric in, in a way where he's like uber healthy. Like, is that eccentric or is that just how we all should be? You know what I mean? So, yeah, so I mean, it's, I, it's eccentric when he, when he's at a hotel and runs like 14 miles to the, oh, to the oh, place oh. where he's going to go work out or yes, something. Yes. That's how. That's what he does. And while you look at that and you go, wait, you ran all the way over here? Like, what? what's the, you don't even need to work out now. You just ran a marathon. Like, that's just the kind of stuff he does that you think, like, oh, my God, what's this guy doing? He's just in really great shape. And he, that's what how he lives his life, you know? So, yeah, I, I, Bob Backlund's a great guy. I don't have any, like, funny stories or whatever. He was a hard worker and a great guy. And, and is he eccentric? And when he took the... Like, I feel like when he went to Mr. Backlund, he took it to another level, and I loved it. He just saw We just saw him at ECW Arena doing a signing not long ago, and Billy Gunn said something to him, and he hooked Billy in the chicken wing, like, <laughs> right away. And it was, like, so funny. I was just dying laughing because he had big Billy Gunn selling all over the place. Amazing. One, two, three kid comes out for the save, hits you with his lightning kick. So you talked about you have a close friendship now. So you said it was about six months you'd been on the road and working with him? Yeah, yeah. And and look, um, we we got along. We still get along the same exact way, uh, only it's over different stuff now. Uh, but we, we hung out a lot back in the day. And so when those kids, look, when he kicks you, it says lightning kicks, like it's probably the equivalent of being struck by lightning um, because he'll kick you and he'll kick you in your face if you don't do something about it. And look, that's not, if he kicks you in the face, it's not his fault because he'll tell you that I'm, sp I'm throwing the spin kick. Yeah, this spin kick is coming at you. And you can either put your hands up or you can uh, wear your nose, you know, as earrings. And, and so uh, it's up to you. But yeah, his kicks are always in there but look that was what he was known for and he would take on much bigger guys and be a formidable opponent for those guys because of those kicks because of his high flying and and uh, uh devil may care kind of high risk maneuvers he would do diving off the top rope into the floor and stuff like yeah he was he, just man, that snap leg I, I loved drop it. That he oh yeah the leg like x-pac just was stood out man well one two three kid i guess at the time but he stood out from day one and that's why he made it in this industry he was a little guy that went back in a day when little guys didn't make it but he did because he was special 
March 19th, 1995 is a major moment as it's the first time you're in Madison Square Garden as a performer. You're at ringside for Jeff and Sean taking on Diesel and Razor. Do you feel the pressure, aura, and intensity of being in the garden even though you're in a supporting role and not wrestling? Or I think, truthfully, we may have touched on this in in an earlier episode, the garden didn't have that for you, did it? Yeah. Well, so so look, it was... Uh, I'd say up until this point, either the first or second biggest building we had had this match in. And this match was built for a big venue full of people because everything was big. Everything was timed out with with time and space. Everything meant something. There was, right, look, it's Jeff Jarrett and Shawn Michaels versus uh, Diesel and, and Scott Hall with, with me on the outside. Like, imagine you know what i mean like it's it's not hard to imagine like holy crap that's going to be really good there's going to be some great spots in it there's going to be some good heat in it where we you know get some heat on scott and he tags big kev and like it was just it was a perfect match for a big huge sold out venue um and i don't know that msg was sold out but i know on that on that loop you just mentioned toronto and msg were were really good um and and reacted accordingly. You know what I mean? So, so again, I'm playing wrestler with my friends. I'm just doing it at Madison Square Garden. I don't realize until I start looking back, or I, you know, I don't think about it a lot, until I look back, man, how blessed I was to just slide right in the industry, slide right into WWE, slide right into the main event spot with those four guys. And, again, I'm not in the match, but I'm on the floor, and I'm an intricate part of the match, and I have to take both finishes to leave the people happy. So so I had a part. Uh, but, yeah, that was such a fun match to be a part of, man, and such such great guys to be a part of it with. I feel like when you're on the outside, and maybe there's one major spot you're supposed to do that would be so – easy to do and of course you're going to be in the right spot that just the fact that it's just the one spot in that match makes there have some sort of odd unusual pressure that's like i'm gonna screw it up kind of (laughs) like if i don't really like just something makes you be like if this is really easy but for some reason yeah well look because it's it's not and that that's the deal is is if if you're not where you're supposed to be when you're supposed to be there it screws everything up and now, well, all the stuff we worked for and we put together and thought about and changed over over different nights, and you, you screwed it all up. So it's it's th- those four guys would look you right in the eye and go, "Well, you screwed that one up." You know what I mean? And and that's that's how it has to be. You're a team, right? If your outfielder drops the ball, you go, "God darn, dude, catch the ball." You know what I mean? So you have to kind of do that, and it it brings everybody up to that level. And then if if you don't stay at that level or or rise to the occasion, uh, should the bar rise, you got left behind back in the day, man. That's that doesn't feel like it's the case today. But but if you couldn't go uh, and do what needed to be done, you 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 weren't on TV. I can tell you that much. Staying in New York, you get to be part of another big moment, Times Square, to help promote WrestleMania and Lawrence Taylor. And the WWF (laughs) sets up a ring in Times Square's Canyon of Heroes. And Dog is the roadie. You take the last big moment when Diesel hits you with the powerbomb after Jarrett powders the ring after taunting him. (laughs) Of course I did. (laughs) What, What do you remember of this day in the Times Square experience? Look, it was always cool when we did stuff like this. And it, cause it was, to me, it was outside the norm of our, 
wrestling world was we'd do stuff at time even when they had the restaurant and we'd do stuff there and just anytime we did any stuff like that it was really cool one time me and kid went to the mtv music awards in new york as a part of wwe and so so anytime we got to do extracurricular stuff like that was really cool and it was always cool to do something set up in times square you know what i mean i don't want to i don't want to move there but it's really cool to have a ring in the middle of it and all these people around you and Kevin Nash ends up dropping you at the very end, and that's the end of it. You know what I mean? And here we go to WrestleMania. When you do those kinds of publicity stunts, do you feel the energy of a crowd? And I don't mean from the fan aspect, but from the what the heck is going on aspect of the people on the streets? Or in that situation, is it all fans gathering for the the press conference? Or publicity it, it, yeah, event? and for the most part, it was all fans. But, but look, you got to realize this was a little bit before the Attitude Era, but this was... You know, this was the hottest thing they had. Kevin Nash was in there. Jeff Jarrett was in there. We're going to Mania. It was definitely the go-home. And so we we had a fun and we blew it out. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it was always cool to be a part of that extracurricular stuff. And, and uh, Vince loves New York. You know what I mean? So it was always cool to do some New York kind of stuff. From New York, we take it to Hartford, Connecticut, WrestleMania 11, and it's Razor defeating Jeff via DQ after your interference with 123 Kid also in Razor's corner. What do you remember about your first WrestleMania? Yeah, so I remember X-Pac hitting Jeff Jarrett with that spin kick, and I don't know if it broke his nose, but, man, there was blood everywhere. And uh, and it was, you know, I came in and, and caused the DQ. Here came Kid, bing, bang, boom. And then it was off to the races where Kid was throwing a, a comeback, you know what I mean, and hitting and sticking and moving and spin kicks and everything. And so I just remember the energy of the moment when I had Jeff in my arms and we were backing up the ramp and I said, are you okay? Are you okay? And he was going, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And, and I thought like, Oh my God, how are you fine? Your nose looks all over the place. Um, but yeah, I just remember us having a great match. I remember that being a really big deal to me being on the card with that, that where the football player wrestled Bam Bam Bigel. You know what I mean? Like it was a big deal to me. Yep. Um, but it was, it should have been, it should have been a, probably a bigger deal to me. Um, I was just young in the industry and probably entitled and getting my way at the time. You know what I mean? So, uh, uh, I don't know, man, I wish I would have, I wish I would have respected the, or look, I guess I couldn't have, I didn't know what to expect or respect. And so how was I to know? I was just doing what I could do and having a good time doing it, you know? Yeah, I was going to ask if you feel like you had made it, but it seems like you were just running through the moment. I, I, I really was, man. I was just living in the moment. And and looking back, of course, I thought, like, I'm sorry, I'm pouring myself some more sweet tea. I like unsweet tea. Oh, sorry. Big well, unsweet. Can't if, do the uh, sweet. If, if you don't, if you want to sweeten mine, you can just stir it with you. Oh, sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm such a redneck. Um, what were we talking about? We are talking. <laughs> now I'm going to be this one right here. We're talking about Thank the you. feeling of making it and running through the moment and just being in the now. Yeah, that's look. That's what I was, and I wasn't thinking about the future, and I wasn't thinking about the past, and it was just do the best you can do out there and have a good time. Come back and talk to your buddies about how good you did. You know what I mean? And oh, and the paycheck will come in the mail in a few weeks. You know what I mean? Like it was. That was just my life at the moment, and I didn't realize what a life it was uh, at the time. You just brought up the paycheck in the mail, and I'm just starting to think, 
do you think talent now is robbed of the pleasure of seeing a paycheck as opposed to just getting the dra- uh, the direct deposits nowadays? <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably. Because look, we got all kinds of paychecks. We got Canadian paychecks, the blue checks. We got uh, you know all, uh, overseas paychecks. So we would get all kind of paychecks. Um, but yeah, they, they they've never written a check either, so that doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> Friggin' it back. All right, two days after WrestleMania, and finally we have you in the ring in a dark match at a superstars taping in Glen Falls, New York. You and Jeff taking on Razor and the Kid. It's got to feel good to actually get the match started. So so we did get the match started, and I remember this specifically. I don't remember the move that kid took from me or I took from him or something and he landed on the back of his head. So I, like he was, it was a dark match. He said, I, I don't let's not I'd hurt my neck, whatever. When I came back from the match, I was worried about kid. I was trying to find him and gorilla monsoon looked right at me and said, you're sloppy kid. You just hurt the kid. What are you doing out there? And I thought I didn't hurt him. Like he, we did a bump and he landed wrong. Like it was, I don't know. I didn't know what to say, but I knew Gorilla Monsoon was just mean to me. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I and I took it as like, holy crap, did I hurt him? And kid was like, no, you didn't. I took a bad bump and blah blah blah. And it was a dark match, so we ended it early. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. Like it was made out, but kid did take some rest after that. You know what I mean? Um, he had had an injured neck before, so he he rested up after that a little. Did you know ahead of time you were going to be wrestling, or was that the day of you? Find no, that out, was a hey, day, that was a day of thing where they go, hey, this this is a good match. It'll get the people. It'll start them up. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was opening dark or or a closing dark, but it was like we'll we'll either wake them up or we'll send them home happy at the end of the. You know, it was one of those kind of dark matches, either pre or post show. You're on a six-day tour in Germany beginning April 17th, and it's Diesel and Razor defeating Jeff and Psycho Sid every night. And after every match, you guessed it, Razor's Edge and Jackknife Powerbomb. <laughs> How was that on that tour, and what was your pain reliever of choice? Uh, well, uh, <laughs> Lortab, um, Soma, uh, you, you name it. Uh, I, had, I, I It was my choice, and I chose them all. Um, but look at that tour was awesome. Like I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. Like we got off the bus and there's a thousand people there. And that's when I noticed how like, holy mackerel, these people are superstar level over here. Like Bret Hart was the most over guy I've ever seen over there at that time. And I just thought there's 800 people standing here with those silver shades on that he used to give kids in the front row. And I just thought, wow, what a, what a star he is. You know what I mean? And it was, it was eye opening because I'd never seen, look, I'd seen, uh, you know, little hometown stuff sold out because my dad was working for the Southeastern title or something, but I'd never seen stuff like that. And it was like, holy man, it was eye opening for me. And it was also really fun. Like I had a great time, uh, that tour. I hung out a lot with P, uh, Aldo Montoya, uh, mm-hmm. PJ, um, hung out with Brett a little bit on that tour, uh, Dustin and Scorpio a lot on that tour. So yeah, I had a great time on that tour. And, uh, yeah, it was supposed to be Sean on the. And Sean couldn't go. I, I don't know if he hurt his back or what the deal was, but so Sid took Sean's place. And it look, it wasn't the same match, and you can imagine because we replaced Sid with Sean Michaels, you know. And that's nothing. That's not saying anything negative. It's just Sid no, you can't put Sid in the flyer. Sid, the yeah, Sid can't do. Sid couldn't do what Sean can do, and that's just that's 
by physics, not anything. You know what I mean? Not right, wrong, or indifferent. Let, let's talk about Sid. Do you got any fun, interesting Sid stories? Because I, I was a monster Sid fan. Just the intensity. The Were look. you really? Like I Look, I was, I was a Sid fan, uh, but I was scared of him about this time. I was always real scared of him. He's very intense, dude. And I thought, like, well, I'll fight him if I have to, but I'd rather not. You know what I mean? He was just a big, huge guy. So one time, I forget what it was about, but downtown Bruno and, and Sid were close. And so very one time, I said, hey, man, that wasn't me. You're barking up the wrong tree. And Sid got up out of his chair and came over at me and was like, what do you mean barking up the wrong tree? What does that even mean? I said, you're saying I did that, and I didn't do that, dude. So I, we were standing, like, face to face, and... Nothing ended up happening, but I thought this he's going to kill me. You know what I mean? He's going to beat me up here. Uh, but, yeah, I stayed away from Sid a little bit because I, look, he's a different dude, as are all of us. He's a different dude today. Like, I've seen him lately, and we've had great conversations. And, great, and it was, man, it was a different, you know, and when you're in that, too, a lot of alpha males, a lot of, a lot of alpha males looking for that alpha male position in the industry – and and people are different people then, man. As you put a little wisdom and age behind them, they smarten up a little bit. And I don't mean that. I, I mean that for me as much as I mean that for anybody. That you you grow up a little bit. You wise. You smarten up. You know. Sid's WCW leg break is oh. one of the most gruesome clips I've ever seen in my life. And if you have never seen it and you like gruesome oh, clips, God. look it up. It's, yeah, it's not pretty. It's, it's not a pretty. shatter and a, and, and a piercing of the skin. Mm, mm. Compound <laughs> fracture. All right, back in the States on April 24th in Omaha for Raw, in the dark match, you and Jeff defeat Razor and the kid, but the match, so this is what we were just even even talking about because the oh, I'm sorry. transitions yeah. and all of that. So, so what, you, you kind of addressed it, but how... how if you're in the ring and you have a situation where you know someone took a bad bump in yeah. a heel role when you're supposed to be just eating them up and going after them, how do you show some sort of concern? Yeah, look, I think you just show concern with your voice and not with your actions. And that's funny because you try to, you say, ref, get me back, get me back. And then your ref's holding you back and you're going, dude, are you okay? You know what I mean? Like you're, to the viewer, you look like you're trying to get around the referee and fight him some more. To, to the person in the ring, you're checking on your buddy and making sure he's all right. And that's, that's all you can do. You know what I mean? And, the, if it, and if, look, if he's really hurt, you, you pin him, one, two, three. It doesn't matter what happened creatively. It's your buddy's life we're talking yeah. about. You know what I mean? Or his health we're talking about. So, look, that happened with uh, you know with us when uh, Eddie Guerrero came from WCW and hit Billy with that with that flying craw or that flying fro frog, splash, frog splash, and his elbow just Dislocated turned and said, "Yeah." Was, and we, and he goes, "Just pin me." And so I think I just pinned him, or Billy did, or something, and it screwed up the creative of the whole show. But. Who, who cares? You know what I mean? Who I had that the guy's same arm injury was... as Eddie my second match. I was taking on a six-foot-nine guy, and I go for a Rana, and he, he blocked it and slingshotted me over his head. Oh, and oh. when I hit the canvas, boom, same thing. Elbow just popped out, turned the other oh, way. Oh, man. <laughs> Those are ugly. Look, stuff like that happens, man. It's no... Uh... You know, there's no way around it. Accidents happen. You just try to take care of each other, and you try to make sure each other's safe and okay throughout, you know?
So that match was actually supposed to push through the program and be on the In Your House pay-per-view in May, but instead it got changed to a handicap match with Razor going solo against you and Jeff. This is your first televised match, and it's going to be on a pay-per-view. Is that exciting, or does that just make you nervous? Well, uh, look, I it was exciting. I had been, like, Ryan, and I know, I, I swear I don't mean it to sound this way, but but, like, I was doing opening matches on the pay-per-views at WCW, you know, a, a year prior to this. So it wasn't that I hadn't been on television before. You're doing I, your job. Yeah, I thought everybody was on wrestling on television. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we all do this. This is our job. Um, and what I didn't grasp, again, was the gravity of the, of the situation, of the scenario that my professional life was in. I didn't grasp the weight of that. And, and you know, hey, that's... Youth is wasted on the young, you know what I mean? I, I do. And and before we go to this this match, because we're actually going to watch this one, let's watch something else. We've got a clip of a Coliseum video match taped April 26th in Des Moines, Iowa, and they opened the show with Jarrett vs. Razor, but this time they put you in a shark cage oh. above the ring. <laughs> and while we watch a clip of it, you, you, you must have a story of this match, I'm assuming. But when you listen yeah. to the commentary... You'll notice that you get called Road Dog a few times. Yeah, several times. L I think Jeff had probably called me that because had not prior to this, I think we had done the Heartbreak Hotel and some stuff on TV where Jeff had said the old Road Dog. Road you know dog. what I mean? So yeah. I think he's he'd thrown the word around. But yeah, Monsoon. I think it's Monsoon in this. Doing the it, audio. Is it Mr. Perfect uh, with him or who? who I, I don't know. I couldn't. When I heard watched this earlier, I couldn't tell who it was either. And so maybe somebody can help us. Uh, well, obviously, yeah. uh, referee Danny Davis will start levying the fines here. Uh -oh. So for those of you not watching uh, on YouTube, there's Razor in the ring, Jeff on the apron, and a shark tank in the middle of the ring, a shark cage. You bleach blonde country bumpkin. Who was in that remark? You carrying around my gold belt. Because of you, Chico. Both you and Jeff very upset on the outside. Yes. Tonight, you go in the cage. He called me Chico. You get the razor's edge. Call him the razor. <laughs> Stop that dog in the Oh, cage. strong words. Gets you fired up, gets you upset about the situation. Yeah, this is we're trying this and this is what we did with Razor from the get-go. Now this is just totally Road Dog with a double axe yeah, from behind. Double axe from behind. And this is I thought was great. Door open, hit the ropes. Oh, he hit me. Jared knocks you into the cage. Oh, and dirty Danny, what was his name? Danny Davis. Yeah, Danny Davis. I just saw him actually this past week at a signing. There I go. They're hoisting the shark cage above the ring. So there's there's a funny story I'll tell at the end of this. Um, this was actually great fun. You know what I mean? Like it was it was this this kind of stuff is old wrestling stuff that never gets old. You know what I mean? They could do this again right now, and people would still love it with the right person. <laughs> Some people have have fears of heights. I'm assuming you're not one of them. I, so so look, I have uh, 
I was scared when I rappelled out of the bottom of a helicopter, out of the hellhole of a helicopter. I was scared when I uh, rappelled down the rappel towers and stuff. But, like, that's, that's different than heights. That's going down from a tall height with a piece of rope tied to you. You know what I mean? Like, and not trusting the whole process until you do it a couple times and learn, oh, this works. Uh, so, no, I was not scared of heights uh, as much as I was the fall from that height. <laughs> I mean, you're up there. I, I, I think one of those things that may, it, it's not the height, as you say, it's the wobble. Yeah. Well, in that thing, like once, look, I, I trusted the, I trusted the apparatus. I, uh, I was up there and look, I was way up there too. If I'd have fell, I'd have broke both my legs. <laughs> I got to sue my legs for non-support anyway, as skinny as they are. You, you sent a cable or a rope down. Yeah, it was a kite. Make... In prison, we call those kites. You know what I mean? You could send them to the other. Not familiar with the terminology. <laughs> All right. Well, my suburban Brian, roots may be exposed. Let's hope, let's hope you you never have to. Um, but look, referee grabs ref uh, grabs from Razor. Yeah. Double J whipping Razor off the ropes goes ducks down. Uh huh. Razor calls for the edge. Hoists him up. Arms extended. Oh God! Here he goes. Oh. But you see how Jeff bumped. Arm. Jeff took that bump and rolled backwards right over the bottom rope and out to the floor. It was smooth, smooth. as silk. Ring yeah, awareness. yeah, yeah. It was that was really good. Um, so so it's funny you bring up because that's the good side of ring awareness. I hate when people take head scissors and then collide with the ropes instead of having that smoothness to at least yeah, yeah. get your feet under it. Yeah, know know where you're know where you're at and and do stuff to the middle of the ring. That's what man. So many talent does stuff around the edges where that's where the ring's the hardest. Get meet in the middle of the ring with anything you want to do and and. Uh, if your timing's good, nobody will notice the extra oh, steps. Look, there, there's a clip of you on the Tron. Yeah, the on, the tr- on the Tron. But look, here's the finish. <laughs> like, why couldn't you got a... I mean, you got the DQ with a double count out, but like... Yeah, <laughs> what I love is Gorilla Barry and the announcer. He's like, yeah, no crap. No crap, he's like... <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm just doing my job over here, Gorilla. <laughs> Oh, and here's some great performance oh, by you boy. as you climb the cage and try to find an escape out for the top. <laughs> I was telling him to raise it back up. This reminds me of when Enzo Amore was in the shark cage. <laughs> I was supposed to put it on the ground. I said, when it touches the ground, yeah, it will go. Oh, gosh, almost lose your balance. Yeah. yeah. Holy mackerel. Oh, and into the cage, crash face first. This is when the braids really came out. I mean, Razor's got to do what he's got to do. Do you hear the people? They want it. That's Jeff's spot. (laughs) Gorilla just burying (laughs) Gorilla's all over my hair. You go up easy. Yeah, well, you know, look, and that's the thing is, even if you're even if you're long, if you sit up correctly at the right time during the power bomb, uh, you'll sit right up. You know what I mean? It's 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 very important that both of you have the same timing. You know, 
Jeff comes back, runs it right into a right hand fist, <laughs> and gets thrown right into the shark cage. And then here I go. Oh. And there you guys go, sent up so, for the rest of the evening. So, so <laughs> funny, funny story, because that's where exactly where I was going, Ryan. They sent us up real high, and they left us there as a rib. And they started to carry on with the show. And they had two more matches while we were up there. And, dude, I was spitting. I was cussing as loud as I could cuss. I was doing everything I could do to screw up that show so they would bring us down. Finally, they brought us down, and we're like, what happened up there? You know, jokey, jokey. Uh, but but it was it's funny. pretty good rib. Yeah, it was, it was a good rib. Uh, but I wasn't staying up there, that's for sure. Amazing stuff. Yeah, good stuff, man. It's Let's still get, going. Yeah. <laughs> You're just still climbing. As a fan in there and seeing the, that yeah, they look at keep the you up there is one of those things that has to be like, like, they're still there. Hey, and if you think about it, dude, that's Razor Ramon. You know what I mean? I'm 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 a year and a half into the business, maybe maybe a year uh doing and, business and with the doing that guy with Razor world, Ramon, uh, you know, come on, man. All right, we're going to get into this in your house pay-per-view match, but before we do, let's watch and listen uh before we listen to that match, let's take a listen to how you can get inside your new house by saving on a mortgage. I, I can't even talk right Speaking now. Speaking of in your house, <laughs> by saving on a mortgage. <laughs> we're just what are we? Yeah, we don't even know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> Let's be honest, I never did know what I was If you could change one thing about your home, what would it be? A new kitchen, a new master bath, maybe put in a pool. What if you could do it with no money out of pocket and cheaper monthly payments? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you can even skip your next two house payments. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Save with Conrad.com. <laughs> Boy, if you'd have seen that toss before edit. <laughs> oh my gosh, Road Dog, the first in your house pay per view is in Syracuse on uh, May 14th with the handicap match we mentioned, and they're presenting yeah. it on commentary like they don't know if you can actually wrestle or not. Uh, let's well, listen look, in. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was no. going to say, like, today you would say, like, hey, he, he's wrestled before. We all know it. You would sound stupid if you didn't know he's wrestled before. But, excuse me, at this point in time, it was like, no, just act like he's a totally different guy. And so it's a couple ways you can do things. Um, I think they were trying to play the role of he's a roadie. He's not a wrestler. Can, what can he do? What's he capable of? You know, and all that. So... So yeah, I think that's the way they went with it. You you, it, you can go both ways, but but <laughs> just like me, um, I always hit myself with that one. Um, but yeah, so let's watch that film because I do think that's the way they went. Character based. He's a roadie. He's not a fighter. Oh, the old sack of shiz. Uno dos. Oh, Big hard save. save. Road dog, road dog just came in moment. like a six foot four piece of lumber. Tagged in by Jeff Jarrett, making his way to the ring, approaching Razor Ramon. Grabs him for an Irish whip, sends him off. Oh, clothesline. clothesline. Yeah. Big momentum, throwing some extra body weight into it. Yeah, because Scott's a big dude, you know what I mean? And so, oh, headbutt in the bread basket. Watch this. 
You like those legs? You like those legs by Xbox? You might like these. Quick rotation on the fast yeah. snapping tornado Three style elbows, elbow. and then I get up and I do a little dance. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Vincent, a little body roll Vincent. right there. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord. Vince I, I, is actually so good at commentary. I mean, that dance move could be compared to Mojo Rowley's. Yeah, yeah, right up there with Mojo. That's how good I was, right? <laughs> I'm a fan of those moves. It's exciting and fun. Watch this one. Oh, got him. Listen to the people, too, man. If you're watching, the people are so into it. Clean punches. And now the boots and a tag to Jeff Jarrett. Tag to Jeff. Here we go. Rody running around the outside, oh. climbing up to the second turnbuckle towards the outside. Razor in precarious positions and coming down like a torpedo oh. with that close while line. Jeff, while Jeff distracted the referee. We were, you know, that was the gr beautiful part of the handicap match, too, was somebody take the ref, the other guy cheat. You know, it's, it's so easy. And then Razor's the big bad guy that actually can fight you both off and, and become victorious, you know. Celebratory taunts in the ring, getting heat from the crowd, and you hear him getting riled up at you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Razor was probably looking at me like, okay, you know what we're doing, right, kid? <laughs> and I'm thinking, heck no, let's, but let's do it really fast. Jarrett makes the tag kind of in, in your way as you have to step over him. That's a big, long leap right yeah, there. Yeah, that was a long drop. When I When I did this, I was like, what am I going to do with this? And I saw I hit him with that knee, and I thought, wow, that's dangerous. Um. Oh, meeting of the minds. Double. Yes. Yes. Oh, it could be an omen. Watch these bumps. Oh, you know what I do? I attack the ring with my back. Absolutely. Snap, crackle, pop. <laughs> <laughs> these always hurt too. By the way. Oh, side suplex off the top. Side superplex. Yeah. And the roadie is, is just out on the ring. Jared yeah. climbing himself up, using the ropes for balance, trying to get up on his feet as Razor has his attention on the roadie, and Jared's able to chop lock or kick him from behind. <laughs> See, this is what I love. Timing and placement. Jarrett looking for the figure four leg lock. Razor Ramon able to kick him <laughs> off right into Rhodey, who goes off the apron on the outside. And now Razor <laughs> has Jarrett set up for the Razor's edge, but struggles, struggles to get him up. He does but get has him, though. him. Has him. The guy opposite hard cam just left. He just walked out mid mid finish. Yeah, see, so look at the people. Like that was, we got that double heat, that cheat heat, cheap heat, cheap heat, and then he comes back and beats us, you know what I mean? But we weren't done with him. We're not done with you, Razor Ramon. And then some fan hit the ring and started hit me with working punches. Oh, come on. Come <laughs> on. Wait, wait. Does he know how to wrestle? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Savio so here, here we see Savio Vega coming in with the character changes. He had been known as Quang. Yeah, cook a Quang, Quang. Here come the hot stepper. Cook <laughs> <laughs> a Quang, Quang. Quang he was TNT too, right? I yeah. 
Look, I was fighting him. We were in a shoot fight at well, this point. But this actually is looking really good and aggressive. I know. Right That's here. why I just I just double legged him and said, "Beat me up some more." <laughs> Officials come into the ring to break it up, and he's swinging. Yeah, he's gonna beat up Rene Goulet and Tony Gurria. And say, "Hey, come on, Zeva!" That hair is amazing. <laughs> that was cool, right? But wait, who are you talking about? <laughs> Rene Goulet? Yeah. Or Savio. Rene's. Uh, uh, yeah, poofy, so that was Savio's blonde. debut as Savio Vega. And you're going to end up meeting up with Savio Vega again soon. One more time. He was the butterfly, man. He was the little, or, or the bumblebee, excuse me. He was the guy that shouldn't be able to fly but could. You know what I mean? That was what we called Savio, was the bumblebee. Your first singles match on television is versus Doink the Clown on Superstars, June 3rd, 95, in a King of the Ring qualifying match. Uh, let's take a look at that one while you tell us some Doink and maybe some Dink stories. <laughs> well, I don't have any Doink or Dink stories, but I can tell you a joke about... Um, <laughs> so I don't remember which Doink this was. Like, I don't remember who this, was, this guy was. I, it might have been Matt Bourne. Uh, I don't know. I probably I didn't know you were going to say that, so I didn't actually do my little research. Oh well, no, I didn't timing. either. Like I thought, but look, I had there were there were several doinks and yep. there were a lot of dinks too. So, but that dink was the uh, I think he was the French French Canadian. Uh, my name is Mayamo Dink. I don't know why he's Spanish and speaking with a French accent. Probably because I'm not smart. Um, but look, when I watched this back, I thought like at this stage in my in the industry, I was doing all right. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was okay as a wrestler. Um, I was doing okay anyway. Doink was always fun to play with as a character on the PlayStation video game. Oh yeah, could he do stuff like tricks? And he'd had little tricks. Spray and then... water in people's faces. Exactly. <laughs> yep. What a great spot. Right, fun story about this match is that it was taped a couple of weeks earlier than it had aired on May 16th, and you actually had to take a month off after this, reportedly due to a staph infection. Uh, do you remember uh, what happened what? with that? There you was know? an infection in the staff? Um, no, so Which I... Which you can't help with that. That one's going to require a doctor's <laughs> that's gonna, visit. That's going to require a shot, my friend. Um, so, so I remember getting on an airplane in Minnesota flying to Atlanta, and by the time I got to Atlanta, which is where I was staying at the time, my knee had swollen up uh, to, like, basketball size. I went home and sat on the couch, and my brother and Joey Mags, I don't know if that's a blast from the past, came over and said, dude, that you got to go to the hospital. And I ended up staying in the hospital like five days. Um, it was just staff from wearing, like, rubber knee sleeves and not mm -hmm. cleaning them properly and stuff, and we were on the road all the time, so... They would go days without being cleaned properly, you know. So I just didn't know what to do and 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 how to do stuff at the time. So yeah, I got a bad staph infection and it, I was hospitalized for a little while. And here we see you throwing some nice punches on Doink. Uh, that's something you you're proud of your, your punches. Yeah, yeah, very very proud. And look, I'll say another thing about my punches that I'll never forget. Um, you see that innovative offense there, the cut off. It was a cutoff because it was like a desperation cutoff. Like, he had just got me. Anyway, um, Michael Clark Duncan of the Green Mile fame told me in L.A. one time I had the best punch in the business that people always go down on him. And I said, well, that's because I asked him to. <laughs> but, uh, but I'll never forget that. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of my punches. 
right, so after this match, you're taking some time off due to the infection. Is this also what starts setting up the time to record the With My Baby Tonight single? Yeah, to tell you the truth, I don't know if I'd already recorded it at this point uh, or, or if it was coming soon. Um, I just don't remember if it, which came, you know, which came first, the recording or the infection. Uh, uh, the the recording was much more productive. For, for most for rock stars, it's first the recording and then the infection, <laughs> then, the, then the infections, and uh, and a lot of them aren't aren't uh, staff; they're actually on their staffs. So uh, big tight yeah, roll up right look, there got, for the win. I, got, I beat him. I cheated to beat Doink, but I advanced in the king of the ring. Um, you cheated, but also used good technique by driving your feet in constant motion. Uh, yes, and I <laughs> I used a distraction to get the attack from behind. Um, but yeah, so so look, I was on my way, and I was doing all right. I was getting good grades. My future was so bright, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> As you're off for the infection, Jeff appears by himself on TV for a few weeks, and they tease on commentary. There's dissension between you guys because you qualified for a King of the Ring and he didn't. Do you know at this point that they're planning for you guys to split up? So, so yeah. Look, I always knew the plan was to split up. Like I, I in retrospect, spec, excuse me, I don't think six, eight months, whatever it was. Like I feel like we could have done it a year from then but I don't know what the reasoning for was to rush right through it. Now, at this point, it might have been, look, we got to do what we can while he's out to promote all this stuff so that we can do it when he when he comes back and we can at least do the idea. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why it happened. So it just all happened really fast after that. As it's happening fast, what's everyone's mindset on the plan? Are you Are you expressing confusion of why it's happening so fast or just kind of being pulled in the direction? No, I'm just being pulled in the direction for sure. But also, like you're just seeing that stuff on TV. Like I'm at home watching and they're talking about the dissent between us. And I was like, wait, that's no good. We're not, there's no dissent between us, not yet. Um, but again, things happen. Cho- choices are made because I was out injured maybe. You know what I mean? Like you, you can't, predict what's going to happen so when if somebody goes down you go how do we how do we continue to tell this story uh in a way that we can pick right back up when he gets back and i think that's obviously what they thought was the best plan of attack you know are are you and jeff in communication at this time while you're not there at the shows yeah but not not constant communication like i was you know me and jeff were still building our our friendship and 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 uh because like i said that couple months before and uh Poughkeepsie, I think it was, was the first time I'd ever met him. So we're still building our relationship and we weren't as close then as we are now, but we were getting that way, you know? All right. You're seemingly back to a hundred percent by the time we reach King of the Ring in Philadelphia and you're getting a big push at this time and you beat Bob Holly in the quarterfinals and then lose to Savio in the semifinals. Pay-per-view has got to be a crowning achievement for you, right? Yeah, it's a huge, huge moment. Um, but but that's the thing. It's like, oh, I see what you did there. Crown, you crowned. Ding. It was a crowning achievement because it was like it's like a grandfather. Oh, thank you, thank you. Every time an angel, never mind. Every time, um, yeah, yes, yes. This is my floor. Thank you, <laughs> women's lingerie. Um, so what what were we talking about? Oh yeah, the pay per view. Yeah, King yeah, of the ring. Yeah, it was a huge opportunity for me. And I was also, like, getting pretty far in it. So that was a way for them to put see what I could do, but to put some equity in me, too, as an in-ring performer. So I, looking back on it now, I was like, oh, okay, that was pretty cool. I, I 
I guess they were just doing that to put some steam on me. You know, looking back in retrospect, no, I didn't win it, but I did do well in it. And we used to do that all the time. It's like, look, we don't want such and such not going to win this, but we'd like him to look good during it, you know. And that's what they, that's, I was that guy uh, during this time period. And so I'm grateful for that. Let's play some clips while we're talking a little bit about it. Yeah, yeah. And look, Bob Bob Holly, Bob Holly will beat you half to death in that ring if you let him uh, and you don't have any choice but to let him. So uh, let's, let's watch him beat me up a little bit. Um, Bob Holly's going to, oh, yeah. Bob, Bob was an Alabama boy and he, he brought it. When you're in there with him, you knew it. You go right for the charisma, right for the dance moves. You throw a little hip thrust as you bring him up, looking for a pile driver. Oh, and but the no! Back body drop. Back body drop. That's that's and, one and of two. just watching this and listening to the people. If it when I watched it earlier, is like we're not doing anything. But like I, he kicked me out of the one thing. Now I go to get him, get him again, and here we go. And he's gonna get out of that too. I'd imagine. You know what I mean? Like. And it's great. You got Jeff seconding you on these matches as yeah, well to throw yeah. a little extra sizzle on the on the on the product. And and meanwhile, I'm advancing in the King of the Ring tournament. You know what I mean? Yep. Bob climbing out of the way. Road dog off the ropes or the roadie off the ropes. Takes a beautiful oh, bump on a drop body kick. Right drop there. kick. Yeah, yeah. I met him. I met him in the middle, dog. Met him right in the middle off the run. Anything off the ropes, a running bump is always I love that. What do you remember about this show, the King of the Rings specifically? Is it just getting through these matches and knowing yeah. that momentum's building? <laughs> yes, yes. It was for me. It was just okay. Let's get through these matches, and I didn't feel like I belonged there. To be quite honest with you, I was in there with Bob, who'd been there a while, with with uh, Doink, who'd been there forever. With you know what I mean? And I'm advancing uh, through this, you know, through the qualifying matches, and then in the tournament, and. I don't know. Like it didn't. I didn't feel like I belonged, so I was nervous about the matches and how they were going to turn out. You know, big power slam by Bob, who doesn't hook the leg on the cover, yeah, only yeah. for two allows. An, oh, I thought you were actually going to grab a small package right there. Can benefit if you have a small package with the help of a little blue chew. <laughs> D O double G. Okay, setting him upside up top. Climbing up there. What's he going to do? Am I going to superplex him? Looking for that big superplex. Oh, no, no. Bob Holly says no. He punched me right in the head. I oh, took you just take the Nesty plunge, go yeah, straight down. Nesty. Yeah, oh, I love Nesty. Um, and now I'm selling, waiting for a perched Bob Holly. Oh. Gets the right boot up just in time, connects on the face of Holly, and then. I didn't cover a leg either. Yeah, it, but explain to me this finish, because this one looked like something went wrong a little well, bit. So, so Holly I think, kicked up. You didn't hook a leg. You kind of just rolled into the cover. Yeah, he, he so he kicked out post three, but the referee uh, the referee was there. He was just there, hair late, it felt like. But I, I don't know. Like It felt like, oh, is, is there a problem? You know what I mean? Is there an issue there? Like I don't think it was something looked messed up with it. And so, as a heel, you can get out of that situation. Oh, yeah, I that rolled right out. No, I and... beat him. So this is me and Savio. Now, Philly could be a tough crowd. And I think, I, I remember, I think on this show that it was a particularly rough night from the crowd. Yeah. Does a tough crowd get to you or get you jazzed up and motivated to, to kind of try and turn them? So, so <laughs> I'm marking out for my own work. I'm looking for that diving anyway, headbutt. Diving headbutt that that I had him move from, and so now we're going to watch this comeback and see if I can feed. Um, what was your question, Ryan? 
tough crowds. Yeah, yeah. Does, Philly, does Philly was all, look, Philly was always a tough it? crowd. No, you got look. You have no choice but to work through it. But it gets to you every time too. You know what I mean? Oh, come on. Taking those ropes. You talked about attacking the mat on the bumps. Attacking those ropes. Those when ropes running. too. And so I'm so tall that I could lay back into them. You know what I mean? And so literally, and one of these I thought, and it may have been the first match is there's a drop down where I drop down. Oh. Good night, Irene. Oh, big that was boot. A, that to, was a check in the nose for a little big, blood right big, there. Big boot from uh, Savio Vega. I, I'll tell you what, I love Savio Vega as a human being. I, I Nobody's better, man. What a great guy. Oh, Jeff pulled the foot. You summoner. Why I oughta. Now I go to shoot him to double J. He reverses and we run into each other. No, I'm not that stupid. Oh, yes, you are. Oh, no. That's how you get them, though, Ryan. That's how you do it. That's how you double team the old double teamers. If you would have just kept your focus, dog, you could have been king of the ring. I know. What was I thinking? What in the flip was I thinking, Ryan? Oh, look, and now he gets the elbow rub from Scott Big Skit Hall. Savio bad, was Savio was in, in business, bro. We move forward, and in early July, they aired the "With My Baby Tonight" music video on all the TV shows. Obviously, we know now it's you singing. But when it aired, <laughs> nobody would have suspected or expected a thing. Correct? Yeah, correct. Like they just thought, "Oh, Jeff, Jeff singing a song now," you know. And so, yeah, I think it was. Look, I loved the idea. From the get go, when they called me and said, "Look, this is I, this is the idea," um, I thought it was a great idea because it was just Millie Vanilli. You know what I mean? It was just uh, a new version of Millie Vanilli in wrestling, country version. So I, I always loved it, and it was always the plan was to be sing the song. He's trying to steal my, steal the credit. I, I'm the young underdog who's trying to sing and get a, you know the upstart, and Jeff's the bad guy. And so it was always meant to be us go, uh, breaking up. I don't know that we had to do it so soon. I think we could have bought it, you know, maybe done a year and a half mm-hmm. uh, and then then do the explosion or the implosion, excuse me. Let's run this video and maybe if you're feeling inspired, you can bless your fans with a live performance. I know oh. a fan's going to say, why did he just start talking so squeaky right there? <laughs> he just does. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet, Ryan. <laughs> I'm not going to sing. I was just coughing, <laughs> just coughing to act like I was going to. With my baby tonight. <laughs> <laughs> like I keep spinning too slow. I can't wait to be alone with my baby tonight. You know, this was a... So, so here, here we are again, talking about me not knowing what the crap's going on and definitely not deserving any of it. And I'm in a recording studio, literally recording a song written by, you know, Grammy Award winner Jim Johnson. And, and, uh, I was actually going to ask suck. if you were in the <laughs> recording studio or if you, if you recorded it on your own for this. Cause I know a lot of times we used to just have people recorded it. This, yeah, point no, on this their was phones. this, this would, I would fly. No, I don't even know if we had phones then. No. <laughs> 
But uh, I flew up to Stanford and spent like three days up there in this recording studio with Jim Johnson recording this song. So so we had already recorded the song. Um, this was just Jeff singing to a track, you know. So you're making hit records, man. <laughs> what were you expecting working, the reaction working, to be? I'm working in the main event. I'm laying down tracks. <laughs> what were you expecting the reaction to be to this? I don't know. You know, t- times they were a changing for sure, and this kind of music was on its way, or this kind of song, I guess, was on its way out. But it's still, like, look, I get a lot of people saying, making fun of me for the song, but I, I'm kind of proud of it. I think it's a good song. Oh, I, mean, I love this no part especially. Not to be proud. Let's listen to me hit this falsetto real quick. Do the couldn't of the room and I swear that all I'm thinking is You couldn't help it. Yeah, you couldn't can't. help it. I can't, I'm sorry. But look, I think it I'm proud of the song. I really am. If that makes me a goofy nerd, whatever, then goofy nerd am I. Uh but I, I like it, man. I, I'm still proud of it. I, and you should be, and it's an amazing thing to have and always be a part of history that you got to do this. I, I, I made a couple of songs for some superstars at WWE that they never got to use that I just wish they would have because they were so yeah. fun. So I, I, I vicariously lived through the joy and the pride <laughs> of yours because yeah, this I is awesome. It. And Jeff nailed it, nailed the lip sync, you know. We rented out a bar and had everybody there. and All those moments when you go on location to create something are just special and enjoyable. They are special and they're fun. Yeah, and everybody's friends there. They all, you know, it was all office people that came because it was in New York. So they just, they didn't rent any actors or anything. They just had office people come and uh, listen to this one. And it's a full length song. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It's still going. I don't know if you guys noticed that or not. Uh, Yeah. Why don't we cut that off? (laughs) All right. Um, So, so at this point you're living that rock and roll life and reports were that you fail a drug test. Do you remember what you failed for? I don't believe you, Ryan. Come on. I think you're telling a fib. We got to be honest here. Um, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was at this point, I'm sure it was marijuana. Okay. Uh, and, And that was a, number fine and the second time was a double that number fine and the last fine i got was after I, they fined me on that wrestlemania check um where me and kid were on the outside and they found find me i think it was seventy five hundred dollars um so it was a stiff stiff uh fine for the that's for the some expensive kind, that's, a, that's expensive weed uh <laughs> but but i'm you know I'm, i was um, excuse me I was making more money than I'd ever made. So even that wasn't a consequence to me, if that makes sense. Like it was like, okay, you took 7,500. I still got 30 grand. I never seen that much money in my friggin' life. You know what I mean? Like it was, to me, it was like punishment. That was a, <laughs> that was not a punishment, but the next one was. So, so we'll get there. So then the next one leads to a suspension. Is that how that goes? Yeah. They, well, no, they just kept doubling, doubling, doubling. And then finally I said, look, I'm going to, this is what I'm going to do. What, who do I make the checks out to? And we'll just go from there. And so uh, right about that time as it started easing up a little bit, um, but still not much. 
with Jeff not being happy that you two are about to be broken up and you failing a drug test, is this a Molotov cocktail of sorts of bad circumstances in the run-up to the gigantic match and angle that's supposed to happen for you guys? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it was. I'm sure the, the people in creative were watching their baby uh, fall to pieces. Um, but, uh, you know, that's... Look, that kind of stuff happens all the time. Uh, you know, people mess up, people make mistakes, people, you know, get DUIs or whatever, and you, you kind of the show's got to go on. So I don't, I don't know if they were like going, oh my God, this guy's a, a lunatic, and he's a yet. Uh, they got there, they got to where they were like, yeah, this road dog's a freaking idiot, um, and it didn't take them long to get there, uh, but they weren't there yet. You know what I mean? Is frustration building up at this point with, with for for you? Obviously, we're getting closer to to this out of the blue moment where the world changes for you. So yeah, so so no, it wasn't frustrating for me. It wasn't frustrating for me creatively. I didn't have an idea about the creative process or decision making. Um, I didn't have any idea about any of that. I just knew I was having fun with my new friend Jeff, and Jeff wasn't happy because look, I think. Back then, what the deal was, was Razor, we were working with Razor at all these shows. Razor was getting paid a ton of money. Look, of course I wasn't. I'm not going to get close to what the guys are getting, but I was making more than I've ever made. And Jeff was obviously not making what Razor was making. And, you know, right, wrong, or indifferent, if you're in that spot, pay me like I'm in that spot. But I think there's something to be said as, you know, Razor was a little higher up on the echelon than we were. So maybe he got taken care of a little more. I don't know. I don't know if that's was that the final straw, but it was uh, Jeff didn't feel like he was being treated right. And I said, yeah, I'm with you, Jeff. You know what so I mean? Does, and that's, so does that's Jeff's really as far as it went. So does Jeff's frustration start making things harder for you just in terms of dealing with people? Or is he good and professional about keeping that frustration just between you guys? Yeah, 100%. Look, I, I never even Jeff's a businessman and, and he's he's a consummate businessman. He's always working. And so he was working this whole time and he never got uh emotionally he never had emotionally uh, upheaval or anything you know what i mean like i never saw him get upset uh up during this process it was all about him thinking what's my next move he's a chess player you know and so he was thinking about his next move from a business standpoint and i had no idea what he was thinking about i was just like yeah you're my new friend let's go to your daddy's house <laughs> All right, things start heating up because it's it's building at this point, and and it's gonna get hard for you. Which in business is rough, but in the bedroom would be a good thing. So let's take a moment to help those needing heating up. Rate higher on the Ohm's hardness meter with the oh, help of Blue Chew. You didn't and then know. We'll come back and discuss your last night before taking a walk. Blue Chew music, please, and let's set the mood. Hey, baby. Ah. Oh. Blue Chew oh. is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises he said arises the process is simple sign up at bluechew.com consult with one of their licensed medical providers and once you're approved you'll receive your prescription within days 
And here's the best part. It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a very discreet package. But there won't be anything discreet about your package. It's time to get off the couch. Bring it and swing it! If your tool needs an upgrade, head to (laughs) BlueChew.com. And if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code DOG at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com. Promo code DOG. Two G's. To receive your first month free, visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the Oh You Didn't Know... Oh, you didn't know. Oh, you, mm. oh, didn't, you didn't know. know. <laughs> oh, she gonna know now. Oh, you gonna know. You gonna learn today. All right, here we go. That was a good one. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> felt good. And then dancing. I think I hurt my back trying I mean, to dance. I over. thought you were doing some interesting hand motions. At yeah, there was. Point. It was. It's, I'm feeding the goats. <laughs> yes, you were. It's you were milking doing some the goats milking. or slalom skiing. I'm not sure. <laughs> You you do with that what you will, Ryan. Okay, we're now back, and it's your final night as the roadie in the WWF. Oh it's in your house to Nashville, Tennessee. And speaking of Nashville, Tennessee, StarCast is going to be taking place there. Oh, oh my goodness StarCast gracious. in Nash Vegas. What are you doing that week, Ryan? I, I'm not too sure. I'm not yet, too sure either, but let's get together. Let's Let's see what we can do. Yeah, cool. Last night as the roadie. Nash Vegas, in your house, 95. How long before the show do you know that this is the plan for the breakup to happen? The whole, the whole day. The whole day, uh, Jeff is like, I'm doing business, I'm to do the right thing, and then I'm going home. And I was like, well, I'm going with you. And he was like, you don't have to go with me. Don't, don't, you know, this is your career. You do. So he, he, while I did it anyway, he, the whole time, was very honest with me that I did not have to do this that this was not my fight, that all of the above, you know, and, he, and I said, I'm with you, Jeff, let's go. I didn't know what I was giving up. I didn't know what I was getting. I didn't have any idea. I just was flying by the seat of my pants and dumber than a bucket of blonde hair. Did you have any conversations with the Vince, Bruce, Pat, anyone about what was going on? We had our bags set up and we walked out of that ring and went through Gorilla and grabbed our bags and went right to the car and left. And literally, uh, we went to Jeff's dad and started drinking, got in the hot tub. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to talk about yeah, that we're gonna more get to in that, a second. I guess. Let, let, let's run the clip of this match. In the pay-per-view opener, you defeat the 1-2-3 kid in a great match with the crazy pile driver from yeah, the middle yeah, turnbuckle. That was, that was uh, his idea, and he called that. And I didn't feel comfortable doing it. And you can see I kind of put one foot down when yep. I did it. Now, right now we're watching those spin kicks I talked about earlier. Uh, decapitate a man, and that man was me. So now one, two, and kick out. He's going to have to do more than that to beat the old road dog. Uh, takes a good man to beat me. It just don't take him long. Oh, <laughs> drop kicked me right in the face the and the turnbuckle. At least I didn't have anywhere to go. Um, Big scoop slam. Puts you in position. Says, stay there, dog. Yep, here we go. Climbs here up we top. Go. Looking for a high-risk maneuver. 
What does yeah. one, two, three kid have in mind? Big frog splash. Oh, connects. frog splash. Uno, dos. Not today, kiddo, bambito. Is that Donald Trump, the the referee? Oh, no, that's Jack Doan. That, like, look, from the back, he looked like he had a comb over. the hair. Oh, yeah. Kid goes for the Rana. You counter with the sit-out powerbomb. Yeah, yeah. I thought our timing looked really good on that, too. Yep. Um, but, yeah, th- this was a great match. There was only one spot where we weren't uh, simpatico mentally. Um, and it, it didn't get – you couldn't really tell anything was going on. But, uh, I don't know, you might could. But, but uh, me and him could, anyway. Back kid into the corner right there. Irish whip him off. Pillar to post across to the other side, and there you have your shoulder oh, connected eat the with, buckle. The, with the post. I don't even know about buckle. You ate the post, dog. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I did eat the buckle post. Kid climbing up again. I, don't, I didn't know how leg. to I didn't know how to do that. I should have just fell on the top rope. You know what I mean? I never <laughs> I didn't know how to physically pulled his <laughs> yeah, it's leg like off. Pulled of him it. off of there. And see and how one oh my goodness. See how one foot went down first? Yep. Like it was I was just scared to do it. And he was like, No, no, it's gonna be awesome and you're gonna beat me. And, and I was like, I don't know, man. And, and we've talked about that a hundred times since. Like he wanted to he wanted that done, and so that's what we did. There's certain moves when you're in those positions where it seems like it should be simple. Just step back and drop. Take, yeah, take yeah. a clean bump to your butt, whatever. But, I, I remember the first time having someone up in the fireman's on the second to do Finley's roll-through, and I'm just up there. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah, this is yeah, scary. Yeah, yeah. I'm scared it's to very death right simple, <laughs> and I should be able to do it. And, like, I have the skill to do so, but, like, mentally, a block right there. Oh, Lord. I'm a swell dancer, too. I don't you know. You got you some have, moves. I got dog. some mizzoves. So it's amazing kid would actually call for that spot after coming back from a neck injury. Yeah, Talk but look, he, he he trusted me and he said he's not gonna hurt and, and he didn't get hurt, and thank God he didn't, because I didn't know what I was doing. Uh but we worked together and we talked about it. We figured it out. We did it. You know what I mean? Um so, Yep. So after this match, we also have another big moment because we have Jeff getting to sing with my baby oh, tonight so, in the so live yeah. performance. So, so yeah, so this was look. This was a big night for us. This is great. Uh, if we can get audio right here. He's back up on the stage. What are you doing? Checking things out. I think the kid is being assisted. Mike, back check. Back to the locker room. One, two, three. The kid is going to be all right. Little mic check. Just the big match and then to come up for the mic check. I made sure the stuff was plugged in correctly there. I was like, hey, putting you, putting you yeah, over, putting over yeah. the gimmick. Yeah, look, that was a great, it's the perfect night for a young man's career and what he should do at the end of it is quit <laughs> what the world when i just beat t- kid yeah. i just beat and one two three you got kid a, you got an extra segment uh, yeah on the pay-per-view i did the singing thing or the singing thing with jeff then we had the intercontinental title match that i'm sure we're going to get to here in just a moment but what a big night for us and in retrospect looking back man it was just you know just uh, error in judgment and believe you me it wasn't the first one and it wasn't the last one i've made and it's uh and i will continue to make them because uh, that's just who we are you know we're we're we do what we can do but we make tough decisions sometimes and they're they're the right one sometimes or the wrong one sometimes you got to live with it um i lived with this one I, I i regret it though you know what i mean it's one of my it's one of my regrets had i stayed what would I still don't know if, it would have, if I would have gotten any higher up the echelon. It's other funny than you say what would have happened. You became yeah. a Hall of Famer, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's a, that's another true statement about how blessed I am. Um, and, and look, I make no qualms about it. 
I got into the industry because my father and my brothers were wrestlers. And so I got a, a, a leg up, you know, I got a foot in the door. Um, I'd like to think that I did my own work and I, and, uh, and showed that work on a, on a separate sheet of paper. Um, so that I earned the spot I was given or the opportunities that I were given. But I don't know. You just do the best you can do and see what happens with it, you know? When you returned in 96, they showed a video of you singing in an empty arena. Was this your recording of the song from earlier in the day, or was this just something else? No, it was just something else. Like, literally, um, that was what we were going to do, was they were going to show the rehearsal of me doing it, which was that. Um and so we quit, and everything kind of went by the wayside. So, so uh, there's there's also always been a rumor that a second music video was going to be done. Were you supposed to be the singer of that video? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah. So, so look, I know we did sing one other song, uh, and I forget the name of it. I forget how it goes, but I sang it at the at the Slammies, I want to say, or the something like way back then. And I sang a different song, and I don't know what it was called now. Um. But I sang it on stage, and and all the boys, the talent, were all in there and stuff. So, yeah, we were definitely going to do more music. I mean, that was the idea. Later in the show, Jeff defends the Intercontinental title versus Sean, and of course you're at ringside. And after a little mix-up, you accidentally trip up Jeff, and it cost him the title. Let's run this clip. We're very clip-heavy today. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Just the music every time. <laughs> <laughs> you just heard the man. You just heard the man, did you not? The World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion today. Yeah. And he'll be the Intercontinental Heavyweight Champion tomorrow. All right. <laughs> there ain't nothing all of you Nashvillians or the heartbreak punk Shawn Michaels can do about it. Was this on the on the pay-per-view? Yeah. With my back to hard camera the whole time as I cut a promo. Like, what's going on? Did they just send me out there to spend some time or something? You know, Double J does nothing. Getting some heat, building up. This was in your house. It was yeah. that intimate creation of bringing you into the arena if you were at home. Amazing. High crossbody by Jared on Sean. Uh, goes for the cover. Road Dog on the outside. Thinks he's got it. Kick under. out. No. no. Sean kicks out. Hey, this match was another banger, man. The timing with these two guys and... and uh, and just the the kind chemistry. of yeah the chemistry the kind of the same mentality of that southern wrestler. Uh. Oh, and there's <laughs> where it was. You thought it was Sean coming off. You end up tripping Jarrett into the super kick. Goes Jeff. He's dropped down for the three. He Heartbreak Jeff. kid gets the win. What did the roadie do? I pulled the wrong foot. You cost him the match. You cost him the championship. You cost him his career, dog. Chimney Christmas. Uh, he cost me mine, too. We walked out right after that. <laughs> so, see, right here, I'm talking to him. And, I'm, and, and we were supposed to get up, and he was going to shove me, and I was going to knock him on his butt. 
I believe that's that's what it was supposed to do. And he said, I'm rolling out of here. And I said, I'm rolling with you. So, so the left. breakup was supposed to happen in the ring. Yes, yes. Well, it was supposed to be a punch. The first. We see the replay of the trip. Yeah, I had my back turned, so I didn't see. I love how Look, you I just. Thought, I thought I fans. did the right thing. It's great. Your reaction is just so confident. There's trouble in there's Music trouble. City. There's trouble for sure. <laughs> That's There's the talk right there. And then Vince reports that something's going on backstage. How much blow did Doc <laughs> Hendricks bump up his blowhole before delivering that pro? Uh, he was great. Look, Michael's great. Uh, blow or no blow, Michael's great. Um, that that was just amazingly over the top. But that's what they looked. That's what they were doing, right? It was like, oh, they didn't do our part. We're gonna tell them that that they did. You know what I mean? And that's that's smart on their behalf, trying to clean up the mess that we we made. You know, the talent made. So you had mentioned you knew you were walking out all day at this point. So you knew that was it. Yep. Yep. I knew. And I knew I had a little money in the bank and I knew, hey, this wrestling thing's easy. I made it right to the top in a year. And uh, it wasn't so easy after that. (laughs) So explain the frustration from that moment to, to that night when you're home and then the next morning when you go, did I really just do that? Yeah, it was a look, it was a little bit of a of a wake up the next morning like, okay, what now? So so we were kinda in I wasn't. Jeff was kinda in talks as to okay, what are we gonna do here? How are we gonna say salvage this? Um they obviously didn't didn't answer anything. And and in that period of time, Bill Watts came in for just a moment to like do uh like Jim Ross's old job or whatever, talent relations, you know. And Bill was a no-nonsense guy. And he said, they walked out, screw them. We ain't bringing them back, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's, but but so that he was there for a while. We weren't going back while he was there. Uh, that's for sure. Um, and I, you know, that's right. We were. Jeff was very professional. I was unprofessional. I just walked out on him for no reason and didn't say anything. Jeff had been talking with them for weeks about all this and, and kind of knew, hey, this is where I draw the line. Um so again, just uh, just a young rookie mistake, uh, loyal to the to a fault, and and look, I, I'm still really good friends with Jeff Jarrett, and he takes care of me, and he has taken care of me um, ever since. So I don't think that was a bad move. I don't think it was it was a mistake as far as my my professional career goes at the time, but as far as like the friendship and the relationship that Jeff and I have now. I'd quit with him every day of the week. Did you consult with your family at all that you were going to do this, or was this a shock to them? No, yeah, it was a shock to them. My dad called me and told me I was a dumbass. Um, and and he was right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was just young and dumb, man. And I, this is what, I, what we're doing. So let's do it. And, so I didn't, and that's as far as I thought about it, too, by so, the way. So, so what's the plan? Because you walk out, but technically you're still probably locked up under a contract, right? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
for sure until they sent me the release you know they sent us wired us both releases like this a, so jeff went to wcw i started working in memphis uh for for jeff's dad um and i started going overseas to germany and doing a lot of you know so really starting to hone my craft and starting to learn what i'm what i'm supposed to be doing in there and i did that in memphis so so while it wasn't a great uh decision business decision I kind of needed to do that. It was kind of the path I needed to take so I could learn, you know, more about what I was doing in there. Um, and, and again, hone my craft a little bit. You brought up the hot tub earlier in the show. Bruce Pritchard has told the story that Jerry Lawler flagged him down on the road after the show and that Lawler had heard from Jerry Jarrett that you guys were all just drinking wine in the hot tub and that you and Jeff <laughs> were going to head to WCW. What do you know about all that? This? Was, that was the rumor. Well, look, I, that's that's exactly what happened. We went right to Jeff's house, Jeff's dad's house and sat in, <laughs> sat in that hot tub and got screwed up. Um screwed up more than I already was probably, but that's just, that's just where we were at at the time, man. Yeah, that's, that's true. Jerry probably told King, King told everybody and, and there we were. So, so, but look, that's what we did. It wasn't like we were trying to hide it from anybody. We walked out on them. You're booked almost immediately to return to Smoky Mountain Wrestling as Brian Armstrong. Do you reach out to Cornette or does he reach out to you? Yeah, but, but look, dad and Scott and them were going back and forth. So it was kind of an easy deal. Like, Hey, Brian's available. You want to go work for him? And that's that was kind of then we started doing the thing with the Smoky Mountain versus the USWA. It was almost like an invasion angle of East Tennessee versus West Tennessee, you know. Um, and it actually worked out really well, and I had a great time doing all that. And I didn't get rich, but I made I paid the bills and uh, and learned how to do it and paid my dues a little bit, you know. I loved working in Memphis, man. We had some great friends there. We got some great friends there still. Met my wife there. A lot of good things happened during that period of time so had i not done that my life would be very different and i don't know in a in a good way so every time you start thinking about the regrets of what would have been if i didn't and where would have the career gone your life took the trajectory and the path that was meant to be because exactly things worked out real great for you yeah. in that situation did you think that you would ever go back back then or was that was it it was done yeah, look, I kind of thought it was done because I thought, well, there's a bridge burnt, but but I'll rest, I'll work for WCW then. You know what I mean? Like I just kind of thought, oh, well, I'll go down there, and and that that opportunity never came about. Uh, so, I, look, I did exactly what I needed to do. I, I thought at the time I should leave with Jeff, so I did. Um, it was it was a a bad decision in retrospect, but heck, I guess we've all made those, you know. What do you think's the biggest mi uh, misconception about you walking out? I guess that I was unhappy creatively because we both walked, um, but I I was on top of the world. And, and apparently, and this is what I've been told, that we were going to have a triple threat, uh, me versus Jeff versus Shawn Michaels at the next pay-per-view for the Intercontinental title. And uh, and I quit instead of going and do, having that match. You know what I mean? Good Lord. I Good You know, Lord you live and learn, man. You live and learn. Anything else you want to get off your chest about that time and, and, and just let the people know are here? Well, I mean, it was just, you know, I was just having fun, living the rock and roll lifestyle, high on drugs all the time, in main events, just given to me, opportunities just given to me. I was entitled. I wasn't grateful. Uh, and so, I, you know, I would just say, like, try to live in the moment and try to be thankful for the opportunities that are given to you every day uh, if we look for them. And so 
I decided to kind of change my perspective. And that's what happened when I got sober was like, the glass is not uh, half empty anymore. It's half full now to change my perspective. How do I look at things? I don't look at things so negatively anymore. It's, it's okay. This is going to, everything's going to be okay. Even if it doesn't turn out perfect or how I want it to, everything's still going to be okay. Um, and especially this was wrestling. I learned a lesson about uh, professionalism and how to conduct yourself as a, as a WWE superstar or, you know what I mean? Like I, those were all lessons that I learned the hard way uh, through this night. So yeah, I, I don't want to get anything off my chest, but I do want you guys, uh, you know, to, to think about that. Think about being present in the moment, man, no matter what your job is, no matter what you're doing. Think about the things that you're thankful for, the things that are most important in your life and just work. Whistle while you work, dog, and think about the the blessings you uh, have bestowed on you. So, Ryan, I feel like we need to wrap this up, B. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with that, I, I think we got to go get a couple well, quick questions well, from the well, dog pound from the fans in there. All right, let's, let's go to a couple questions and we'll call it a day today. Uh, Chad Gomillion eighty two wants to know: Did you ever feel after leaving what the hell did I just do, or is that not something at the time that crossed your mind? And then, if you can go back, what might have you done differently, or would you have still left? Yeah, look, I think I would have probably still left just because in my mind, as wrong as this was, staying with Jeff and leaving was the right thing to do. Um, I know now that for me, professionally, that was not the right decision to make, but personally at the time, and I I mean, I don't regret it because like we just said, a lot of great things came to me uh, because of the path I took. Now, what was the question exactly, Ryan? I'm sorry, I missed it. Would you've done any changes? I think oh, we yeah, yeah, covered no, that no, no. as we were talking. And, and I think we by made the way, a few Chad, Chad Gomillion is my Orkin man, by the way. Oh, a <laughs> little pest control. A little pest control. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's the, the crabs, he got rid of those too. <laughs> With a little I'm just kidding. Bait. I use some shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. TJB Jason Bayless wants to know, with the heel turn of Bulldog coming around this same time, was there ever a feeling that the Jarrett Rohde act was getting shuffled backward instead of forward as it was before the split-up idea? I mean, Sid had just taken the number one heel spot after WrestleMania 11. Now Davey's number two. So he just wants to know if you feel like you were getting pushed to the back burner. So I did not feel that way. Jeff probably did feel exactly that way. Jeff had been around and in the industry long enough to see stuff like that when it was happening. I had no clue what went on behind the scenes. And I just said, what are we doing? Oh, that's cool. What if I do this? What if you do that? Okay, cool. You know what I mean? Like it was, that was the extent of my wrestling knowledge. And so I had no idea what was going on behind the scenes. Uh, But Jeff always was conscious of that kind of stuff. Still, Still to this day, thinking about, uh, the business part of it all and just calling me and going, hey, you cool if I set this up and we do this? I'm like, I'm in, dog. And he just runs with it. You know what I mean? That's just the kind of kind of guy he is. He's a leader, man. He's a, he's a leader and he's a, a good businessman. On Instagram, a wrestling historian at Let's Go Back to WCW wants to know, how did you see your feud with Jeff Jarrett playing out if you guys hadn't quit the WWF at In Your House too? Well, look, and I... And I I know this wouldn't have been good for him, but I'm sure they were going to put me over him because they don't, you don't have that. I mean, maybe not the first match. Maybe we have a couple of matches, but at the end of the day in the program, they put me over because I was the young upstart and he was the heel that sang my song and kept me down. So you couldn't beat me too. You know what I mean? I don't think they were going to anyway. And so look, that's not good for Jeff's uh, 
creative direction. You know what I mean? Like he sees it. Okay. Like, like Jason Bayless just mentioned, you got Sid, you got Davy boy. Now you got Jeff and Jeff's getting beat by the roadie. You know what I mean? So, so I totally understand Jeff's creative frustrations at the time and maybe rightfully so, you know what I mean? Uh, but he, he saw himself as, as a bigger player and, and, and look, he went to the other company and got bigger player money. So, so apparently other people saw him that way as well. All right, I'm going to skip the next question and move to Robert Hughes at Robert Knight. I always wondered if Ep Brian R.G. James had his high-tech boots custom-painted white in this era <laughs> because he couldn't find them anywhere. So there's a unique question that, for That you. was a unique question, and I love that question because those were actual high-tech boots that I found on sale at a mall in literally in like Poughkeepsie, New somewhere where we just went to a mall and I found these at like a sporting goods store. And I said, how many... Uh, how many 12s do you have? And they were like, we got four. I bought all four of them and I shipped them home. And so I had those. It was the only time I ever saw black and white, uh, but I thought, man, it was perfect. So no, they were not painted. They actually came that color in black and white. I don't know why uh, but they were short-lived in, in uh, production, but I grabbed a couple pair, <laughs> a few pair, and uh, and kept them as the, as the... I wish I still had them, to tell you the truth. I don't know what happened to them. Great Dog. question. It's another week, another time in life, and another moment of reflection. And we're going to reflect some more because next week's going to get interesting and hopefully it causes some debate, discourse, and discrepancies of opinion. Because uh -oh. next week we're going to be discussing the Mount Rushmore of tag teams. Oh, are me and Billy on it? I mean, I... I, I Probably I'm not. We were not that good. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. you beat I, yourself up so bad. No, no I, I'm just kidding. I know we were good at the time. You know what I mean. But when it look, I always say when it comes to tag teams, like I, I'm old school. I love the Warriors. I love the Rock and Roll Express. I love the Midnight Express. We'll get into that. Yeah, we'll and, talk different and many more tag teams. I'm sure. And all of that thing. Who's kicking ass today? Who you've yeah. seen that thinks that you think will have a chance of being one of those legends of the future? Should be a great discussion. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And hey, Ryan, thank you so much for taking this trip with me every week. I appreciate you. I appreciate the listeners. I appreciate Steve Coffin and uh, Dom behind the scenes making everything move forward. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, and, throw uh, Derek into if, the mix on that. Yeah, yeah, well. Derek, the researcher. Uh, so <laughs> thank you so much for that. I think the researcher is his independent name. He works in Puerto Rico as the researcher. Derek, right. the researcher. As we give He's the from thanks. Green River. He's from the Green River Valley. <laughs> that's, just, that's cool. Derek, the researcher from Green River Valley. As we wrap this up, I also want to remind people to check out boxofgimmicks.com for our Ooh. show specific t shirts and merch. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees and look up Road Dog for his personal shirts. Look up Ryan Katz for my shirts. Tell your friends, family, and followers to like, subscribe, share, rate, and comment so we can make this show grow. Oh, you didn't know. And what else will make the show grow? Or maybe not the show. Oh. <laughs> Nothing will be discreet about your package. Dog. Um, oh, you didn't know? We're week eight? Holy crap. I love you guys. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com.